Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. Now, I know it's going to be really difficult for this year's divisional round to top the chaos of last year's divisional round. That doesn't mean that you can't bet on all the odds, props, promos, and parlays for this divisional playoff when you head over to Bet Online Sportsbook. If you use our code BLEAV50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, with the link in the description to this episode, you can can get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Hello, Razor. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing excellent. How are you doing? great i got a a good 35 minutes for you today sounds good uh oh i just saw rafa lost at the australian open he did yeah he's pretty banged up he's pretty banged up he he really probably shouldn't have played but he did and uh credit to him for not retiring in the match that's um kind of a classy move you know to let let uh mackie mcdonald uh you know persevere there without a default so yeah okay Good to good to know. Anyways, I just I was looking at news because I hadn't checked my phone and I saw Rafa lost. So I was like, oh, we've got a gambling guy here. We've got a tennis guy here. So, you know, maybe uh, maybe that's a big deal, but good to know. So uh, Razor is here once again. You can check him out on Twitter for all of his wonderful content. Um, you're going into the I guess one of the bigger weekends of the NFL season, or at least last year, divisional round was the biggest uh, weekend of the year with all the chaotic games that went down. So what are your thoughts? What are your feelings after one round of playoffs, week 18, anything else you found interesting in the NFL world? Well, I think the Bills and the Bengals were disappointments. Uh, Both uh, didn't look very sharp. Both did not cover their numbers. Uh, Cincinnati was... uh, a yard and a half away from being down a touchdown with, uh, you know, most of the fourth quarter remaining, who knows what, what would have happened, but the Ravens defense was really, really on fire. Um, Burrow, man, he gave us nothing really in the third quarter or fourth quarter for the Bengals. So um, thoroughly impressed by the Ravens um, just didn't have a quarterback to, um, to, you know, get them through the finish line. Uh, The bills, Kyle, you know, I've been on your podcast several times this fall. I've mentioned it in September and October. Their defense is just way too often uh, making mistakes. They're on ice skates. Um, Skylar Thompson did a pretty good job, not a great job. I really think if um, um, McDaniel and um, Thompson were better at their jobs, the Bills would have lost that game uh, by a lot. Um, So uh, it's an interesting matchup. The Bills are laying uh, between five and six. Just depends on uh, which book and shop you use. the uh, marquee matchup probably of the weekend. Uh, Dallas really wasn't a massive surprise. I really thought that uh, they were going to come in and win. Tampa Bay is a really bad team. Uh, they've showed it all year that they're a really bad team. So that is certainly not um, a massive surprise to me. A blowout maybe, but I had I had Dallas winning that game. Uh, Philadelphia uh, versus a good Giants team coming up. Uh, you know, I had Minnesota money line and I sprinkled a small play on the Giants plus three and a half and uh, really didn't come home with any profit there, obviously. But uh, the Giants, the Giants look great. Um, and I think uh, I'm really surprised by that because they have really they don't have any depth. 
Uh, they don't have any really star wide receivers. Daniel Jones is playing excellent. So um, I give the Giants a puncher's chance there as a seven, seven and a half point dog. Um, and then, you know, you got you got to look at Jacksonville here. Um, Chargers doing Charger things. You're a Chargers guy. You, you probably saw this collapse coming <laughs> mid third quarter. Um, I, pretty- as a childhood born and raised San Diegan, I have to say that um, when I saw that they were blowing a 27 point lead, I was like, dang, this is just beautiful. It's beautiful that they they are who they are and nothing's going to change. Yeah, I, and that's unacceptable. Um, and 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 you know, Brandon Staley's decision um, to play Mike Williams in the Denver game—it's uh, almost one of those things where you kind of deserve to lose that game. Uh, just it's just malpractice, if you ask me. Um, I think Jacksonville will pose some problems to this very average Kansas City defense as well. I, I think we saw back in October or early November when they played that. Uh, Kansas City was beating them up early, but Jacksonville matriculated the ball very easily down the field. I think Jacksonville at the end covered the number. Uh, I, I don't remember the final score. You may know it, Kyle. I don't know what the, the point difference was, but uh, I think it was a huge spread. I think it was 12 and a half or 13. And I think, I think Jacksonville cruised to a cover there. So um, kind of like Jacksonville in, with the points. Um, I don't know what to expect with this Buffalo Cincinnati game. I really don't. I mean, Cincinnati's really banged up on the offensive line. But I also think the Bills secondary uh, continues. Uh, I like to use the word ice skates. They're on their back toes. They can't cover anyone right now. I mean, and they're going to have a very, very daunting task with three uh, receivers that are excellent. I think Tyler Boyd is probably the the best number three receiver in the league when when he's when he's running his routes correctly. And of course, Jamar Chase unstoppable. And T Higgins may maybe uh, you can make an argument the the best. Uh, number two wide receiver in the NFL. This is a tough trio of wide receivers for the Bills to stop. Throw in Joe Mixon, um, the Bills, that's a big number to cover. I, I'm going to stay off the game just kind of as a fan. Um, I have no real, in, no investment in this game, and nor do I have a recommendation for uh, Bills Bengals. You know, the, the Jacksonville-Kansas City game you were talking about was uh, 27-17 was the final score, but okay. the Jaguars did outscore Kansas City in the second half of that game. And uh, I believe that was the last loss for Jacksonville until their winning streak kind of began. After that, they um, they were three and seven at the time there. So, you know, from there, I think they won six of their last seven games and then won the wild card game. So that was kind of the turning point of the season for Jacksonville. I, I, I tend to agree with you on the, the Jaguars in Kansas City point because Jacksonville is capable of scoring points. The The difference is that Kansas City is the number one offense in the NFL, and maybe they will use the offense to keep Trevor Lawrence off the field, as they've done so many times this year, where they they can go for explosive plays. They can pick up 15 yards at a time. They just, you know, Patrick Mahomes completes 16 consecutive passes, and they have these eight-minute drives, kind of is their bread and butter this year, and touchdowns to Edwards Alaire touchdowns to McKinnon from like five yards out in the passing game. So I, I expect that Kansas city will win the game. And I actually think they'll cover the number at the end of the day. I think it's sitting around like eight and a half right now. I think Kansas city will end up covering that number. It was just interesting to hear you talk about it. Cause I think if you presented a more talented team per se, like Buffalo or Kansas city or Buffalo or Cincinnati or San Francisco, I do think that the defensive problems for Kansas City will kind of be their undoing at some point. If it's if they're going to not win the Super Bowl, it'll probably be because, like you said, teams' offenses can move against that defense. 
Yeah, Jack- Jacksonville, uh, uh, what we've seen against uh, Tennessee and then what we saw against the Chargers, especially first half, doesn't seem to pose a huge threat. I feel like Jacksonville is one of those teams where they're going to play a lot better and looser um, when they're playing with house money, especially as an eight and a half point underdog, as opposed to the must win and end scenario that we saw against Tennessee. And of course, round one against the Chargers, they came out basically throwing up on themselves. Uh, Trevor Lawrence throwing, what, three or four picks in the first half. And um, if they four were playing picks I mean, plus a fumble. Yeah. I mean, if they were playing any other team but the Chargers, they lose that game. I mean, just bad coaching horrible horrible decision making run the ball a lot more and I, I really don't think there's a coach in the nfl or an organization that screws that up and i don't understand how this this continues to happen to the chargers in the playoffs um <laughs> like every every five years it's the same story i don't i don't know how that happens but it does well it, that's the funny thing that i was telling people about is like this is not even they're saying like this is the most chargers charging moment all i'm like this is not even the most chargers moment of the last 15 years because marlon mccree intercepted the game-winning pass against tom brady and immediately fumbled and then the Patriots went down and beat the 14 and two chargers. They were also 14 and two and lost to the Mark Sanchez jets. Like th- this is not even the most chargers charging moment that has happened in the last 15 years. And like you said, it's like every five years they have if the, every five years when they actually make the playoffs, they have one or two of these dumb moments because I mean, even last year, week 18, the prisoner's dilemma against the Raiders is probably almost as dumb as blowing a 27 point lead to the Jaguars. So, yeah, like the the Chargers do this dumb stuff all the time. Like you said, I think only only the Vikings and Falcons have a claim for being more tormented than the Chargers. I think the Chargers probably go into Kansas City as a six and a half point underdog and they play those guys tough. It would have been a great game to see. Everybody wanted to see, you know, LA versus um, Kansas city, Cincinnati versus Buffalo. We almost got that. I think we're in a good spot for the NFC playoffs, the giants and the Eagles. Um, I, I do going back to the Eagles giants game. Like I think the, the giants are playing great football. They should be. Um, I think Dable should be crowned NFL coach of the year for, for the roster. He has, he really has very little depth, very, very few weapons outside of Barkley and, uh, Daniel Jones playing great football, but I have a feeling that um, the Eagles are going to run them out of the gym. I really do. I, I think we we really haven't seen the Eagles playbook open up too much, obviously with Minshew for two weeks, Hurts against the Giants week 18. Um, Giants didn't play anybody. I don't think they showed all of their cards. And I think the Eagles will come um, with serious vengeance here. Um, that's, that's, a, that's a play I love on the money line. I actually love them more than Kansas city for some reason. I don't know why. Um, I just have to figure out a, a team to marry them with. Obviously, uh, the books are going to be, um, in big trouble if Kansas city and Philadelphia come home on a tease or a money line parlay, because I think about 82% of America has that in their heads that, okay, it's Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening. Um, what am I going to do? Oh, I'm just going to pair these two together to win straight up or tease them down to one and a half. So I don't know. I I, I hate to be with 82% of the public, Kyle, and, and do the same exact thing with KC Philly. I'm almost inclining to do, you know, maybe San Francisco Philly or Philly in a college basketball game money line parlay because it looks just too easy. And I think that the books are going to get destroyed if that if, if, if Kansas City and Philly come home with wins. 
I mean, I'm looking at the numbers right now, and I mean, it's early in the week, obviously, but 70% of the, the bets against the spread are Giants plus seven and a half. So they are certainly hedging at this point on um, Philadelphia. I I am uh, with you on Philadelphia. I, I said this on um, I said this on Monday. I think Philadelphia is going to score 40 points in that game. And 40 points in a playoff game is really hard to pull off. I just, I see no way the Giants are going to be able to stop that offense moving up and down the field on them over and over and over again. Um, And maybe the Giants offense will put together another great performance. We know that Daniel Jones had the greatest game of his life in the biggest game of his life, and they scored 31 points against the, the Vikings defense. But I, I don't think they're going to... The problem for the Giants isn't Dayball, it isn't Saquon, it isn't Daniel Jones. It's that the Eagles are going to absolutely destroy them on offense and or, or on Giants defense. I think they they will score 40 points in that game by themselves. And the over-under for the game is 48. So I'm picking an over on that one and I'm picking the Eagles to almost... I mean, not basically to almost do it by themselves. Yeah, I agree with you there. I, I have a I have a really good lean on on the Philadelphia Eagles, whether it's ATS or Moneyline. Um, like I said, Bills Bengals just gosh, you know conventional wisdom would tell me if I didn't have uh, a dog in the fight, which I do as a lifelong Bills fan, to probably take the Buffalo money line in a small play on the Bengals uh plus five, five and a half, whatever it may be. And just, you know, hope the bills come home with with the w because you know it's going to be it's going to be a different atmosphere than it was for the bills obviously the the fans are going to uh be just going crazy right bills mafia um you know for this game um the bills have hosted what one divisional game uh outside of this one for what the last 15 18 years 20 years it's been uh, <laughs> and it was only two years ago so yeah, it's not I mean, like it's that yeah. long ago <laughs> it wasn't long ago they beat the ravens right they blew out baltimore i think at home on a on a it was in, kind in, of a blowout i mean it was close for three quarters and then lamar yeah. threw the pick six in the end zone the yeah. was a 102 yard pick six yeah yeah so ironically another afc north team uh comes to orchard park uh I just this defense scares me, and, and you know this offense is not not efficient either, Kyle. I mean, I keep saying this over and over again. The Bills really struggle on short yardage plays. I mean, they just don't run quick curl routes or quick screens there, and they don't run any screen plays. Honestly, um, they're afraid of Josh Allen getting hurt too because he didn't have too many design runs against Miami last Sunday. Um, it's just put the ball up in the air to Diggs and Davis and they're better than the than than the than the cornerback or the safety they'll grab it they'll they'll you know they'll they'll catch a 65 yard bomb you you take away those massive plays to Diggs and i i guess the dolphins win that game it's it, it was a bad showing by the bills i think on both sides of the ball i mean another just horrific decision making by allen at times you just can't do that against Kansas City, Cincinnati, or Philly, or San Francisco. They they got away with it against a, a very very average team uh, with their third string quarterback. Miami's a good team with Tua. I, when we had your podcast two weeks ago, I told you when we were figuring out all the playoff scenarios that I do not want to play Miami. Um, I do not want to play Miami. There was a chance Tua may play or Teddy Two Gloves. Um, I, I even think Teddy Two Gloves, if he's healthy, they probably it's. I can't say they're going to win the game, but. My gosh, you know, I mean, Skylar Thompson had chances to run for first downs uh, a lot of times. They were just 
I mean, the Bills were on ice skates all the way 30 yards back trying to cover Waddle and Hill, and the, the path was open to Thompson. He just didn't read it, or he doesn't know how to read that and, and run, but not a good showing. It's not a good showing. The Bills have not played great football uh, this winter in December and or January, so well, uh, it's, anxious it's, for that game. It's interesting because they have played great football. I mean, they're still doing all the Buffalo Bills things. It's just they're also doing so many, like, dumb plays over and over again, which I'm watching it. I'm like, and it's not just Josh Allen. I know Josh Allen's the easy one to pick on because he got stripped for a touchdown or threw two picks or had one fumble that he lost and one fumble that he recovered. It was the timeouts when you get a stop on fourth down. It was the timeout when you get a third down play where the Dolphins are scrambling and you bail them out. It was there's like seven plays where I was just like, oh my God, I I know they're probably going to win, but like Buffalo, there's no reason Skylar Thompson should have had one drive with three minutes to play to go down and tie the game. That There's no way that should have ever been able to happen. They gave the Dolphins... I mean, if you're counting it off the two interceptions that led to two field goals, the strip six that immediately turned into a touchdown. I mean, they gave the Dolphins like 17 to 21 points back in that game after they were 13 point favorites. So, I mean, they they beat the Dolphins. They just also did so many dumb things. And I'm not even going to say that they can't do dumb things and get away with beating the Bengals. I just would have thought the game would have been a two and a half or three point line instead of the five point line that it's sitting at right now. Yeah, I think the the betting market is just really scared of uh, Cincinnati's offensive line holding up. Right. I mean, the Bills defensive line uh, can get to the quarterback. And if you have a very um, dicey offensive line, that could be a huge advantage for Buffalo. But Nobody gets the ball out quicker than Joe Burrow. You know, that's the thing. Burrow Burrow releases that football very quick. So our safeties and linebackers are going to have to really step it up here. And uh, but if the if we can, um, you know, create some coverage sacks, uh, they'll get to Burrow. If this we saw what happened to this offensive line or I should say we saw what happened to Joe Burrow with this uh, with their murky offensive line last year throughout most of the season. Uh, It held up against Kansas City somehow in the AFC championship game, but um, it will not hold up against the bills. If, if, if the offensive line um, is decimated, like we expect it to be, that's a huge advantage for the bills. That may be the difference between a three point favorite and a five point favorite. Yeah. And look, it's not like Cincinnati played great against Baltimore either. I mean, Baltimore should have won that football game at the end of the day, Lamar Jackson or no Lamar Jackson, I mean, they were real close to taking the lead and forcing Joe Burrow into what I like to call Kirk Cousins purgatory, which is down seven, no timeouts, needing to go the length of the field. And like maybe Joe Burrow pulls it off, but like that offense couldn't do really anything against the Baltimore defense. And I would I I know you said like there's definitely concerns on the Buffalo defense and not having Von Miller is a huge deal. And of course, they're thin in the in both the front seven and in the secondary. But I just if Baltimore could do it, I don't see why Buffalo can't hold Cincinnati to 17 points. I guess that's my thinking. But at the same time, I know Cincinnati has a super prolific offense that can you know, Jamar Chase can catch passes within the smallest of windows and move the ball from 25 to 25 yard line pretty easily. So it's just, it's such an interesting matchup. And 
I mean, I'd like you said at the beginning, it's a stay away situation for you, regardless of your emotional investment as a lifelong member of Bill's mafia. I would uh, I would say that I just don't know what's going to happen in that football game, which is exciting. It's going to be really entertaining to watch. Yeah, I would pose the question to you, um, which defense is better like over the last six, seven weeks, Baltimore or Buffalo? Um, And don't really have a you know, a, a really huge lean towards Baltimore. But if I'm going to go to war with the defense tomorrow, it's close, man. I, I, I don't know. Maybe, I, I think it could be Baltimore. They, they played phenomenal defense against the Bengals and it was a very stupid decision, uh, you know, to run a QB sneak and extend your arm out when the ball's, you know, at the two and a half yard line. I, I don't understand that. Like we should always QB sneak, right? I believe in QB sneaks on, on at the one yard line, literally four times in a row um, from the two and a half. When you extend that arm, it's ridiculous. My point is this, is that the defense did everything they could to win that game. And I, I don't know if the Buffalo defense could do everything they can to win that game, to win the game against Cincinnati. Like I feel like Cincinnati is going to get more easy opportunities to score than they did on um, Sunday night. That's my take on it. I, I think Baltimore is the better defense right now. So since week nine, Buffalo was the number one or back in week nine, Buffalo was the number one ranked defense in DVOA. And their peak was around week five or week six back when they didn't have those big scoring performances on their hand. Um, the last eight weeks of the season, they finished 11th or 12th, depending on how you calculate week to week. They finished in kind of the upper half, but not really a blowing it away defense. And they finished the year ranked fourth in the league in DVOA behind San Francisco and Dallas. And so I, I'm kind of with you like they... They are a good defense, but no longer an overwhelming defense. And I think that's more injury related than performance related. I agree. And yes. I mean, we've seen Burrow do less or we've seen Burrow do more against better defenses and we've seen him do less against worse defenses, which is why I feel like I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what the weather forecast is going to look like in Buffalo. So it's going to be one of those games where I'm just very excited to watch it happen because I genuinely don't know what who's going to win or how they're going to win. Yeah, Buffalo weather looks, um, you know, cold, but not, you know, outrageous cold. Uh, a high of 36, a low of 30, chance of snow. Um, nothing that's going to intimidate the Cincinnati Bengals. They're probably able to practice in similar conditions in Ohio right now in the 30s or 40s, but it's not one of those single digit games where the winds are going to be at 30 mile per hour. It looks like it's a pretty, pretty mild mid January day in Buffalo um, with, uh, like I said, a high 36 expected low of 30. That's, that's actually not bad whatsoever. No, it's not going to be bad. And it's going to be a fun football game. I prefer it to be that than the slop game because I mean, it gives us a more representative sample of who's better. I mean, sometimes the chaos games are fun, but like it also kind of screwed the Packers out of that playoff game last year against the 49ers was the the snow and the cold and the inability to move the football for either team. And they lost on a blocked field goal and a blocked punt, which like when do we ever see blocked field goals and blocked punts in the same game? So, I mean, for teams like Cincinnati and Buffalo who are, you know, two of the four or two of the five best teams in the NFL, depending on who's counting. I think it's better because we're going to get a more representative sample of how good those teams are. Yeah. I think we all want good weather for this game and we're going to get even better weather if Kansas city plays Buffalo down in uh, Atlanta. So that will be interesting.
scores it. It's a wide open. Remarkable. Touchdown. Buffalo. Davis again. You throw a fourth TD. On a dime, you ain't got no fear of any Colts or Dolphins. Josh Allen gets Bills the wins. You want to play the Chiefs and to beat Andy Reid and his schemes, avenging your past mistakes and take the Bills to the big game. Three years, I thought you was phony. Got digs, then you flipped it on me. I was thinking you were Carson Wentz. You made your mark, became an MVP. Deep throws, always looking daunting. Tossed up to Davis and McKenzie. It's hard for teams to deny it. When Allen beats double safeties. You keep losing to Mahomes. Sitting on the bench, 13 to go. Overtime coin flips turned up wrong. Makes your season seem so marginal. And this year you'll find a way. Gonna get past Kansas City. Allen and the Bills are gonna be. Super Bowl champs 2023. Oh, I wanna run the ball, don't wanna slide, I just wanna dive. Send me the call, and I'll throw the ball. I wanna run the ball, don't wanna slide, I'm just gonna dive. Send me the call, and I'll throw the ball. You throw a fourth TD. On a dime, you ain't got no fear of any Colts or Dolphins. Josh Allen gets Bills the wins. You want to play the Chiefs and to beat Andy Reid and his schemes, avenging your past mistakes and take the Bills to the big game. I'm hoping that next week we can reconvene with you because you're you're planning to go. You're planning to go to Atlanta if yeah, we get yeah. Buffalo, Kansas City. Yeah, I plan to go to that game. There's probably um, less than, you know, I mean, I would say maybe I'll put in like the over-under is like 83% chance I go to the game. So it's pretty high. Um, yeah, just got to, you know, I'm booking a flight as soon as the game concludes if we win. Um and uh well what happens if Jacksonville wins that'd be interesting right and then the game <laughs> I think that might be a cooler scenario just because yeah. either one Buffalo gets to host an AFC championship game or two Cincinnati gets to host an AFC championship game which yes. I think both of those would be cool environments to have um but also <laughs> I I think the more ridiculous one is uh, this would be Kansas City's fifth consecutive hosted AFC championship game. I don't know if they count the the neutral site as them technically hosting it, um, but I will say that the previous record was three and this would be number five for Kansas City hosted in a row. I mean, they are they are totally overwhelming as a football team at this point. So I I think them setting the record for my personal interest would be cool. I mean, they are extending the record they have already set in terms of consecutive hosted AFC championship games. If Jacksonville wins, which I don't think is going to happen, it would be cool to have that game played in Buffalo. 
then Buffalo, I believe, hosted three of their four AFC title games. Um, I that was the previous record was yeah. uh, Buffalo three straight. Kansas City got four straight last year, and then yeah. this year would be five straight outright if Cincinnati made it, but it would be five straight with a neutral site if they played Buffalo because they would be the designated home team for the right. neutral site game. Yeah, I think there's an asterisk, but you could kind of have to consider them as the home team there. Uh, let me ask you a question. Uh, what do you make that Kansas City-Buffalo line in Atlanta if it happens? Boy, that's a great question. Uh, I would say... I would say Buffalo one and a half. That would be the line that I would set. And the reason I would set it in that place is because the Bills had were two and a half point favorites in Kansas City the first time we played. We know that Buffalo is not as good of a team now as they were at the start of the season, especially injury related. They're not playing their best football at the best time, which is obviously difficult. We could take everything that happened uh, in Cincinnati with DeMar Hamlin and add that factor in. If we so choose, I would still make Buffalo the slight favorite, uh, but it's not by much. I mean, one and a half is basically like you could swing it to either side, basically based on, you know, a certain based on line movement, you could flip the favorite either way. So I'd go Buffalo one and a half. I think you're you're probably right on it. I mean, you mentioned the Buffalo Kansas City game that took place in October. Bills laying two and a half in Arrowhead, but now Kansas City has a lot of momentum. Has I don't think Kansas City has not lost since that game. Is that right? Um, uh, I believe. Let me think. So they lost to the Colts. Was, they I'm lost to Buffalo. I can't remember who was the third team they lost to this year. Um, was it? I mean, they almost lost to Houston. I remember that. I'm just. Oh no, they lost one game. They lost to um, Cincinnati in the game where Kelsey fumbled in the fourth quarter. Yeah, that 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 was after they played the Bills. Then right. Yeah, so that was in December. So they've they've lost one game since losing to Buffalo. Yeah. Um, so. I, I think you're on it. I, I think you can make this a pick em. And I think you, you know, if you're the books, the goal is real simple. How do you get money on both sides of the aisle? Right. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like they get money on both sides of the aisle out of pick em. They really, they really should. I think their liability would probably be on the over more than anything. If they somehow made that line uh, too low, that's where liability would come in where, you know, if they made it like 52 and a half or something, you probably would get just an egregious amount of money on the over. So, um, yeah, I think it's a pick them to one, uh, one KC, one Buffalo it really doesn't matter. Right, Kyle? Because if you're if you're if, if the line's one or one and a half and you like Buffalo and they're favored, and you just be crazy to take that line. You just take the money line at minus one twenty five. But mm-hmm. um, I think it's uh, I think it's right on the number between a pick and one, one and a half either direction. It really won't matter. I think they'll get two way action on that game. That neutral site game is going to have a Super Bowl vibe to it. Um, And the reason I say vibe is because we know what the stakes are. Obviously, it's the AFC championship game. It's, you know, the winner goes to the Super Bowl where they'll probably be favored. I mean, maybe San Francisco is a favorite against Buffalo, but like probably the winner's a favorite going into the Super Bowl. Um, The reason I say it has the the Super Bowl vibe to it is because of all of the narrative stuff and the storyline stuff we've been selling for the last three years about Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and those two being the two best teams and the probably the greatest football game any of us have ever seen last year between Buffalo and Kansas City in the playoffs. 
I mean, it would have a Super Bowl level of vibe to it. And the fact that both teams are so evenly matched going into this game. I mean, we've talked about this year. This is the best chance Buffalo has had of the three years to get Kansas City. And they were 13 seconds away from getting them last year. So this is their this is their best chance to take down the the juggernaut per se. And I, I just think that would have such a Super Bowl type feeling to it in the AFC championship game. And it would be the primetime game this year. It would be the NFC championship is during the day and then Buffalo, Kansas City would be the night game. It's just it has such an incredible feeling to to that game. And that's not to say Cincinnati and Kansas City won't also be amazing. It's just Buffalo, Kansas City just has a different feeling to it. It will. I think I think everybody wants to see Bill's KC. I mean, think about the the, the sample size of the, the games they've played over the last two years, um, the playoffs and regular season. They've just been electric. The Cincinnati KC games like kind of been one sided, right? Did, did Cincinnati uh, did, didn't you feel like once the game was in the fourth quarter in the playoffs, like, man, I don't know if Kansas City can do this, you know, right now. Um, but I feel like Cincinnati controlled KC, and I don't think the Bills really controlled KC or vice versa. Uh, for it took it took miracle plays uh, at the in the last two games. The Bills had to go down the field, Dawson Knox touchdown, to end the game. And then, of course, the um, the play that I don't want to talk about from the playoffs last year in the divisional game. Um, <laughs> I mean, just some it doesn't make sense, but it happened. So yeah, I mean, great great stuff. It's so interesting. It's so interesting because uh, Cincinnati, the thing that I've been so fascinated by is so since um, since the uh, I believe it was the when Kansas City started the year like three and four last year. And after that, they won like nine of their next 10 games. Like since that three and four stretch to start last season, Kansas City's lost three games to the Bengals and two games to every other team in the sport. And the thing that I found so interesting is Cincinnati's beat them three different ways. It was the regular season game at the end of last year. Jamar Chase, 300 yards. We're going to outclass you with offense. Then this year it was we're going to play the slow game and then you're going to make a mistake and we're going to capitalize at the end. The kind of the way the Patriots used to beat teams was the way the Bengals beat Kansas City of like, we're just going to stick with you, stick with you, and then you're going to make the mistake. And then the the playoff game last year was just Kansas City collapsing in a way we've never seen Kansas City collapse before. I mean, it's it's interesting that it's been three different ways to watch that Mahomes and Reed team get beat by the Bengals. So I like I said, I would suspect that Cincinnati, if they get to that game, would make it interesting in Kansas City. It and it would be a fantastic game and a fantastic rematch of last year's AFC championship game. It just the storylines that we've been sold on Buffalo, Kansas City, and Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes seem seem like what we've been building towards all season. Like this is Buffalo's best chance to finally get over the Kansas city juggernaut and have a rematch of, like I said, maybe the greatest playoff game we've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, well, I hope that I can report live for you, Kyle. How about that? That'll be fun. I hope so. And either way we can reconvene and discuss next week. If for some reason, <laughs> if for some reason, Trevor Lawrence has some magic in his system, which I don't think is going to happen. If if for some reason we don't, we'll still reconvene. But I'm really excited to uh, have you go to Atlanta potentially to watch your Buffalo Bills in the biggest game they've played maybe in franchise history, if not the last 25 years. 
Well, I think the biggest games in franchise history are unfortunately transpired from 1991 through 94 um, and didn't come didn't come home with one title. But it's you're up there right in the modern era since, you know, the last 20 something years. Sure, it's going to be a massive game in Atlanta, a very a winnable game, right? Uh, in a neutral site as a pick em or one point dog, whatever it may be, one point favorite. Um, there is unfortunate news to report to you for this week coming up uh, for me. Um, I won't be able to watch most of the Cincinnati game. I'm leaving uh, this weekend for uh, a Disney World vacation with my family. So I will be gone Saturday through Thursday and likely at one of the theme parks on Sunday during the game. So I'll have a, obviously the phone on as much as possible watching the game from an app, but not not at not on the couch or a bar like I would want to be. So uh, that is unfortunate news to report. But uh, obviously we'll be keeping very close tabs on the game. This is the makeup trip, right? This is the makeup yeah, trip yes, from er- earlier this year. It is good, good, good memory there, Kyle. Well, I hope you enjoy your time at Disney World, and I hope that you get the opportunity to watch your Buffalo Bills play an AFC champ, the first ever neutral site AFC championship game. Well, uh, I'll tell you what; it's funny that um, Lamar Hunt. Uh, many decades ago, uh, Kansas City uh, owner, legendary owner, always believed that the conference championship game should be neutral for whatever reason. So uh, his wish actually may come true. Uh, it doesn't work out well for his Chiefs as the number one seed, but um, I do think it will be a uh, an atmosphere like you alluded to, uh, Super Bowl-like. Um, two, two fan bases are going to just crawl into that stadium uh 50 50 i think it's going to be right down the middle it's almost going to feel like you know one of these sec championship games right georgia versus lsu you know if if it, you know if lsu was really good you'd see half that stadium purple half that stadium red i think you're going to get that same vibe uh in atlanta for kc buffalo these are two very passionate fan bases and i mentioned to you on your podcast a few weeks ago when we were previewing the playoffs i said this game has to be in atlanta or detroit because of the accessibility to get direct flights for fans. When you have to fly into Indianapolis, things get murky. You have to you have to lay over. There's no, you know, unless you're in a hub city like Atlanta or JFK, LaGuardia, it is really difficult to get to Indianapolis for and that that those flights get really expensive. So when you can fly Delta or, you know, other airlines like Southwest that has a pretty good presence in Atlanta, I don't know if you want to fly Southwest right now, um, but you get there a lot cheaper than having to lay over. So um, I love the decision. Obviously, I'm being more selfish because Atlanta is a very easy flight from Raleigh-Durham. It's about 70, 80 minutes in the air. So um, it's pretty cool. This is The, the stars have a line for uh, Bills fans in the South like myself. It reminds me a lot of those BCS national championship games that used to be played where they did it at a bowl site like the Rose Bowl and you had... Um, for example, one half orange or one half red for that Texas USC game or that uh, that game when uh, TCU made the Rose Bowl and you had half the stadium purple and half the stadium red for I think it was Wisconsin that year. Yeah, it, that's yeah. kind of the vibe that I'm thinking that's it, being created. Um, it doesn't really exist in the modern college football playoff era just because the, the neutral site, they end up giving a lot of it's like the Super Bowl. They give a lot of those sites to corporate seats and. Um, not as much for the fans of the teams that are coming in, uh, especially, you know, when you have teams from Georgia and TCU flying to the West Coast. But it reminds me of those old school BCS national championship games. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I think I think we, we, we hope to see it. We are um, just, you know, 
this is a tough path to get there, but hey, the the books think we're going to get there by uh, by winning this game by five to six points. So uh, I really hope we come through, and I hope I have a chance to actually see this somehow unfold on a phone, which is crazy to think about. But that's how I'll probably be watching it. For your sake, I hope that Buffalo pulls it off and that you get your chance to go watch a neutral site AFC Championship game. Well, I appreciate it, Kyle. I appreciate your support. I wish I can give you some love for the Chargers this weekend, but uh, I cannot do that. <laughs> Don't worry. I, I've, uh, I'm a six-year recovering Charger fan now. I have no allegiances. It was all good laughs and good joy. I I don't care about that team anymore. It was fun to laugh at people from high school who still hold on to the Chargers, but I, uh, I have no allegiances there anymore. Uh, I wish for good things for Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> and uh, when Patrick Mahomes does bad things to the Chargers, it makes me like Patrick Mahomes even more. There you go. That's something. That's something. That's a that's a nice gesture of you for for the uh, San Diego L.A. Uh, fan base. We're yeah, happy that yeah. Patrick Mahomes tortures this team. It's not just Patrick Mahomes, but it does help that uh, the San Diego sports curse, because uh, it's a deep, dark sports curse. That curse laughed at the Chargers on the way out because three months after they moved from San Diego to Los Angeles, Patrick Mahomes got drafted by Kansas City. And that was yeah. the curse laughing at them on the way out the door. Yeah, well, I, I hope, you know what, uh, for Buffalo's sake and for the fans of Buffalo, I really hope that that Jacksonville somehow pulls this off um, <laughs> because that they deserve it. The Bills deserve a, uh, a home game. Bills deserve an easy path that doesn't involve the yeah. greatest offensive coach in the history of football and the greatest yeah. quarterback to pick up a football. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I think that and also just the 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 bills fans can you imagine what that atmosphere would be like if they have jacksonville at home oh my goodness um it would be uh it would be something else to see but i gotta be honest with you i i would not go to that game um i unless you know well flights would be a, a really expensive but also just I'm not a big cold weather guy in sitting around doing you know in i just i couldn't do it kyle in temperatures you know how they it could be anywhere from 10 to 30 and not 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 gonna do it no, I understand. I understand. And it might be nicer to celebrate on your couch if and when yeah. Buffalo get beats Jacksonville to advance to its first Super Bowl in 25, no, 28 years. It'd be 28 years because 1994 was the last time they made the Super Bowl, I think. Well, that would be 29, 29 years. You're right. That, 29 years ago, um, getting blown out by the Dallas Cowboys. Yep. Well, good luck to you, and uh, I hope you enjoy your vacation this week. Yeah, appreciate it, Kyle. Love to reconvene after the uh, championship games. Uh, you know, we'll we'll talk about the the Super Bowl. I would imagine at that juncture, since I won't be available next week. So, uh, always appreciate uh, joining your pod. Um, thanks for everyone listening. Appreciate it. Best of luck to you. Garoppolo drops back to throw. You're gonna lose the game. The seasons come and seasons go. The Niners need a change. If you don't throw check downs, you're gonna take a sack. Jimmy G is warming up. Yeah, he's your quarterback.
No, don't throw it. Interceptions drive us all insane. Phones are calling. Ron Rivera wants to make a trade. If a rookie QB isn't in your plans, just call San Francisco up. They got your quarterback. They say he's smart, and he wins games. That don't mean a thing. If since week one, Trey Lance had played, the 49ers would have had a ring. If your team's rebuilding, talent's what you lack. Trade two picks for Jimmy G. Now he's your quarterback. Kyle, if I just told you Cowboys in San Francisco, what would you say that opening line should be? Let's call it four and a half. Let's call it four and a half points in favor of the 49ers. I think the 49ers are clearly the more talented team. And at the same time, I felt pretty confident Dallas was going to win that game against Tampa. I could see a path to victory for the Buccaneers with a strong defensive performance. But ultimately, the Cowboys had a better defense and a better offense. It it felt like it was an inevitability that Dallas would win, even if Tom Brady magic came through at the end for for Tampa. But I I think Dallas is clearly the more talented team. I I mean, these are two of the three best teams in the NFC. They're the teams we've been saying all season are two the three good teams in the NFC this is two of them so I would say uh, San Francisco about four and a half would be the the line that I would set at this point if I were trying to get equal value on both sides Brock Purdy he's gonna be the big storyline for San Francisco going to this one the first half didn't look great kind of looked a little troubling he started at one point 50 percent completion percentage and then the fourth quarter happened 25 unanswered they just ran away with the game almost like that moment of one of the Seahawks players grabbing Devo Samuel's legs just triggered the team and got an emotional response because after that point, there was no looking back. Seattle was standing on the train tracks and the San Francisco 49ers were telling them to toot. So going back to the the Seahawks game, because I feel like other than the Devo Samuel almost getting tripped, there was one play that really changed the fortunes of the game. Cause like we, we were talking about this, like on the first four possessions of the game. So two Seahawks, two 49ers, the 49ers outgained Seattle 130 to four in the first two possessions. Like the Niners were awesome to start the game and they were up 10 zero and they were dominating that game. And then you look up at halftime and it's 17, 16 Seahawks. And you're like, wow, how did that happen? And the way I joke about it is Pete Carroll just ripping cigarettes on the sidelines and calling the do cool shit Kenneth Walker or do cool shit DK Metcalf play because lost in all of this is it's kind of incredible that DK Metcalf stutter stepped and then burned Charvarius Ward at the 30 yard line. It's kind of impossible that a man that size could put that much speed on a pretty good corner like Ward. Anyways, the moment that I felt like turned the game was when it was 23 to 17. The Seahawks had the ball at the, uh, I believe it was third and one or third and goal. And Dre Greenlaw punches the ball out on Geno Smith 
and the 49ers recover and then they go down and score a touchdown at that point it was like the seahawks had done everything perfect and that was the end of that run i do want to interrupt you a little bit just because i want to give proper credit it was actually charles omenahue with the strip sack charles omenahue former texas longhorns product actually came in with the big play in that last game it was a little concerning did seem like nick bosa wasn't much of a factor and bosa's Obviously, he's coming off a year in which he can easily make a claim for defensive player of the year. I'll be curious to see how he lines up against this Dallas offensive line and if he's able to make his presence known. If the defensive line is going to be able to get in there and make things uncomfortable for Dak, because Dak at this point is more of a pocket quarterback. He's not much of a scrambling type. And I I feel as though those are the quarterbacks that tend to give the Niners the most issues quarterbacks with a little mobility that's why even before the playoffs started you were asking me about great playoff matchups great playoff opponents for the 49ers I actually told you I was okay with them facing Seattle or Green Bay more than I was them facing the New York Giants just because I know that mobile quarterbacks give them much more of a decided matchup disadvantage than guys are more strictly pocket passers like Dak is at this point in his career so I think this is where the Niners have a chance I will say that I am concerned if C.D. Lamb ends up on a matchup against Demondor Lenore. That seems to be the weak spot of the Niners' defense right now, that second corner position. And if the Cowboys are worth their salt, they'll be doing all they can to exploit that matchup advantage as the Niners tend to not switch sides on their corners. It's a set system. They haven't played. You play the left side. I play the right side. They've been doing it for years. I, I know in week 17 when the Cowboys played the Eagles, they were able to – put CD lamb in the slot and that really broke open that game for them. I wonder if they're going to do a similar type thing to kind of avoid that Charvarius ward matchup. The second big option thing for the Cowboys is going to be, what are they going to do to stop this Niners offense? Because aside from Brock Purdy, Christian McCaffrey, ever since the acquisition has been all worldly, all pro. I know he didn't get a pro bowl selection because pro bowl committee decided to put in miles Sanders instead But no, Christian McCaffrey has been nothing short of amazing. Debo Samuel, we saw him have his really first big game of the season. Debo Samuel has been pretty quiet this year. Um, Up until last week, uh, takes that huge screen all the way to the house. And it's amazing the kind of acceleration that Debo Samuel has when he gets a ball in space. Add in George Kittle again. Caught a two-point conversion this week. Was the first week in seemingly a month that he hasn't caught a touchdown had seven touchdowns in the last four games. These are all the weapons that the Cowboys have to concern themselves with. Oh, and I didn't even mention Brandon Ayuk. If you go back to that playoff game last year, Brandon Ayuk was cooking Trayvon Diggs. The only issue there was, as much as I love Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy G missed some throws to Brandon Ayuk that would have ended that game. Can Brock Purdy hit those throws? And if he does, it might be all she wrote for the Cowboys. You know, it's interesting that you brought up last year's playoff game because one of the things I found super interesting was how the Cowboys used play actually a, a pretty effective strategy. And then you saw uh, against Tampa Bay, you saw them get Pollard involved and then run play actions where Dax rolling out and hitting T.Y. Hilton or Dalton Schultz. Or there was one play to C.D. Lamb that ended up setting up, I think it was the fourth touchdown that was like 30 yards. 
they they kept running these bootlegs and play action plays and it was effective against the Niners uh, last year in the playoffs and moving the ball. So I expect them to do some of that. And like you said, the mobile quarterbacks are a bit of a problem for the 49ers. I know you've done more 49ers analysis than I have, and I'm taking a lot of your words and your analysis when it comes to to that point. So the Cowboys and uh, Eagles would have both been difficult matchups for the 49ers in that respect. I, I mean, the, the thing that makes it a whole lot easier is having guys like Bosa and Warner uh, and um, Al Shair, who's had an amazing season like that. It, it makes it so much easier when you have those incredibly talented players. And I expect that the 49ers will figure something out. I mean, they have the number two scoring offense, the number one rushing defense and the number two passing defense this year. So clearly they have the players to compete it, again. It, the 49ers are just not normal at all. So, I mean, it'll be super, super interesting to watch that matchup against the Cowboys because Cowboys offense versus 49ers defense does seem to be the most interesting thing. And on the flip side, I mean, Brock Purdy's a bubble. I've been saying it. It it doesn't make sense that this is happening and the 49ers might bullshit their way to a Super Bowl with Brock Purdy being the best quarterback in the NFL. But I mean, the bubble's going to burst at some point. I I just don't know if it's going to be this week, next week, next season. It's got to happen at some point. He can't be 130 passer rating every game. Well, because it's just not sustainable. Like he's he's had a, over a hundred passer rating in all of his six starts so far this season. Like no quarterback in in the NFL other than Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes does that. So one of these games, Brock Purdy is going to look like a rookie or look like a 22 year old quarterback because it's just impossible for it not to. The, the difference is whether or not the 49ers can win a Super Bowl in the meantime, because uh, like I've said many times, I've seen Kyle Shanahan not once but twice win a playoff game in which the quarterback didn't make a throw for two consecutive hours. My pushback on that is just, OK, there's already been points in which he has looked like a rookie. I just don't know if he would have that happen to him for an entire game, because one thing I'm mm-hmm. starting to learn from Brock Purdy this is actually kind of a good reason why I actually did like Jimmy Garoppolo was the bounce back mentality. You throw an interception, you make a bad play, you take a bad sack. You don't just get on the bench and pout about it. You go back to the next series and look to score a touchdown. That's what this kid has done every single time that he's had a rookie moment or a rookie mistake. And I, I find that to be the most impressive thing about him so far. Is he a little bit of a statistical anomaly? Sure. But at the same time, we've been saying all this for years that the Niners have the best coach, the best infrastructure, the best weapons. Well, eventually you would think that that would translate over to the quarterback position. We thought it was going to be Trey Lance. Why not Brock Birdie at this point? Yeah. I'm looking at like all the measurables because we're going to start talking about that Brock Purdy trey Lance comparison at one point or another. Why not? <laughs> not, not until after the season. Not until after the season. <laughs> I'm going to say right now because... Brock no, four-year starter, Iowa State, Trey Lance, no, one-year don't full worry starter about in North it. Dakota State. <laughs> it's a relevant conversation to say, like, why would we doubt this guy just because of where he was drafted when the Niners, they believed in him. They made a cut of Nate Sudfeld in training camp because they're like, you know, we got to roll with this guy on the roster. There's something here. And you listen to Kyle Shanahan in his press conferences each and every week when people are asking about this Brock Purdy throw or that Brock Purdy throw. The guy's face lights up. I don't think I've seen Kyle Shanahan this happy talking about any of his quarterbacks ever. Matt Ryan. Oh, you are correct. This is ever. Yeah. 
This is absolutely a relevant conversation. Just wait until after they maybe win a Super Bowl with Brock Purdy. Let's let's wait until after they maybe win a Super Bowl with him as their well, quarterback to do it. Just the statement, this will burst. This bubble will burst. Will it? Do we know for sure it will? Oh, not that not that Brock Purdy is going to be bad. I'm saying that it will be one of those games where he is going to be the reason why they don't succeed or fail and that doesn't have to happen in the playoffs like it doesn't have to be the next three games for Nick Foles won a Super Bowl that way and then the following season it didn't happen until the playoff game against the Saints when you took away Jason Peters and took away uh, Lane Johnson and all of a sudden uh, you know Nick Foles played awful in that game against the Saints like it doesn't have to happen tomorrow or it doesn't have to happen in the NFC championship game I'm just saying that it what Brock Purdy is doing is unsustainable. And the difference between Brock Purdy being better than Jimmy Garoppolo or being great, like he's literally the best quarterback in the NFL the last six games. In every statistical metric, he is one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback in the NFL. That I don't think is sustainable because that would mean everyone was wrong about him. Not just every other team passing on him. It means the 49ers would have been incorrect about him by choosing to bring back Jimmy Garoppolo in training camp like not only would every team have been wrong it meant the Niners would have had to also have been wrong about Brock Purdy so I think the more likely scenario is that Brock Purdy is having an incredible run because he is a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo and because he has five all pro players plus another thousand yard receiver in Brandon Ayuk on that offense. And as a result of that, the 49ers have had the best offense in the NFL since Brock Purdy took over as a quarterback. And whether or not they're the best offense or the fifth best offense is irrelevant. They can win a Super Bowl with either because they have that incredible defense and all of those incredible players. So I'm not saying that to degrade Brock Purdy. It's just like, I thought when Vegas was saying that the Seahawks had a chance to win that game, I thought it was going to be because Brock Purdy did something bad was going to be the reason why Vegas was saying that they thought the Seahawks had a chance to win. And ultimately, that wasn't really the case. I mean, there was no point in the game other than kind of in the middle when they were punting a whole bunch that you could say Brock Purdy was doing things bad. He wasn't turning the ball over. He was averaging 10 yards of completion. I think that Brock Purdy has exceeded every expectation and more and he can do it again against Dallas it's why I think San Francisco is going to the Super Bowl and why with a four and a half point spread I am picking San Francisco to win on Sunday against the Dallas Cowboys I can agree with that I am also picking the 49ers win but no surprise here I'm not picking against my team in the playoffs that's just not going to be a thing that's going to happen but I will voice concerns obviously you mentioned will the bubble burst Well, it doesn't have to burst like an all-time implosion. It doesn't need to be a Nathan Peterman performance. It doesn't need to be Trevor Lawrence in the first half against the Chargers. But if Brock Purdy was to throw an interception or two, that would be the Cowboys' opportunity to get back in this game. I will also say this. I am a little concerned at points for the Niners' defense. I know that might be surprising to some that are just kind of looking at the numbers of the San Francisco 49ers. But when you consider, as I mentioned, the second quarterback spot with Demondor Lenore, when you consider that Telenoa Fongo, while he is a pro bowler, has tendencies to get a little bit greedy, look in the backfield, and go after the quarterback or the running back before he's able to adjust to play action or something over his head, which has allowed some big plays by the opposing teams in recent weeks. Uh, Even the Week 18 game against Arizona, the Niners defense got beat bad. Jimmy Ward made a 
boneheaded penalty before halftime against the Seahawks. This Niners defense, for whatever reason, the last few weeks hasn't looked as sharp, but in a big game spot, primetime television, network TV, Sunday night football <laughs> against the Dallas Cowboys, Fox is going to be pulling in some big time ratings with this game. 49ers, Cowboys, two of the biggest brands in the sport. I'm taking the Niners. Kyle's taking the Niners. Who are you taking? Let us know below in the comment section. Leave a like on the video. Subscribe to the channel. Follow us on all our social medias at Slumpbuster Pod. From Juju and Kyle, stay safe, happy, and healthy. We will see you next time.